what extent have our ideas of justice freedom equality etc been impacted by colonial uh, colonialism have our current notions of critical thinking and scientific ac uh, acumen also been uh, influenced by it you know this is an extremely important question because uh, any answer to this is capable of being misrepresented in very different ways so uh, i've seen certain reactions to my book coming from certain quarters which perhaps have not read the book enough or who have not paid enough attention to the detail and the nuance in the book so mai apne position ko and i'll be switching to hindi often during the course of this to keep this uh, as decolonialized as possible uh, now the point is uh i am taking the very clear position in the book that it's not as if we don't have our own values of samata or let's say justice or uh rights and individual rights as well as uh, societal duty so to speak we have had all these concepts so my primary objection to a, a european standard being presented as the universal standard is that it effectively takes away my ability to present an indic perspective as pa as part of a discussion on these subjects so jab bhi ek universal mapdand ki baat hoti hai aur aap se ye kaha jata hai ki aap se baat cheet nahi hogi lekin hum aapke liye tay karenge ki aapke samaj ke liye kya acha hai then effectively it is not a universal standard but it is a local standard which is being universalized okay kisi ek culture ya kisi ek samuday ya kisi ek sabhyata ke experience ko aapne pure manav jati ke sabhyata ka experience bana diya hai okay without giving us an opportunity to contribute to the discussion okay assume for a moment that certain standards are laid down with respect to uh, nuclear uh, proliferation or disarmament What is your basic position? आपने ये कैसे तय कर लिया बिना हमें वहां पे बैठने दिए यू शुड अपॉर्चुनिटी टू सिट एटिकुलर टेबल एंड कॉन्ट्रीब्यूट टू द डिस्कशन हो सकता है कि अंत में हमारी बात ना मानी जाए बट एटलीस्ट वी शुड बी हर्ड राइट आई एम अप्लाइंग द सेम लॉजिक टू डिस्कशन रिलेटेड टू यूनिवर्सल स्टैंडर्ड ऑफ सिविलाइजेशन और यूनिवर्सल स्टैंडर्ड ऑफ इक्वालिटी सो my fundamental position is not that there is no such thing as a universal standard possible in fact i have said so on page 103 of my book that universal standards first of all if possible and desirable must take into account our positions also so when i make this statement iska tatparya ye hai that i am taking the conscious position that the current standards that we apply to these issues in the indian discourse are as far as away as possible from the indic perspective because we have effectively allowed our standards to be fashioned by a western framework okay so agar koi kehta hai that no no but had it not been for the european indians would not have had the concept of an individual right then how how i mean what a terrible opinion you seem to have about your culture which apart from being grossly uh, unfair to the culture and its contributions to individuality and spirituality is completely ignorant kya padke aapne tay kiya ki bhartiya sanskriti ya sabhyata ke andar individual rights ka koi uski koi manyata nahi hai we don't have a position for it on what basis did you decide any of that okay 
So to answer the question, there are two responses. One, I do yes. believe that our current standards and our discourse surrounding these issues is certainly uh, influenced significantly by European colonial consciousness. And therefore, there is a significant uh, Western influence on these subjects. Second, it is not my position that we must not be open to ideas from outside. However, it is certainly my position that before you choose to slavishly import a principle from outside, the first question as a self-respecting culture which wants to be, uh, which wants to occupy the position of Vishwaguru, if you want to learn something that means that is when you start looking for solutions outside which is to say as a culture i don't seem to have the basic building blocks of creating a solution to address a problem therefore i need inspiration from outside Unfortunately, the approach is typically the reverse. Okay. And whenever we discuss any policy related issues or any issues relating to development or science, there is no question of looking at us within. Now, let's take this argument to the aspect of science also. school of science how do Indian doctors treat Ayurveda itself? They treat them as second-rate quacks, not even as medical practitioners. Despite the fact that under the Ayush department, the government of India, under the previous dispensation, has clearly recognized the position of Ayurvedic practitioners also as equally entitled to practice medicine in this country. Unko so-called allopathic practitioners, unko kya darja dete hai? Unko kya respect dete hai? Ab ek on social media or any other place. It is abysmal. Especially the professional organizations of allopathic practitioners dishes out the worst of treatments as far as the Ayurvedic community is concerned. That itself is proof of the fact that science ko apne puri se West ka bacha maan liya hai. You believe that science has emanated from the West and there is only one way of looking at even science. So the unfortunate reality is on aspects of ethics, on aspects of human rights, on aspects of science. In sare critical muddhom pe, aapne apne original thought, thought ko unke pe kar diya hai. And therefore, you are today a passive civilization which is merely surviving on the received wisdom of the West. When in fact, you have such a rich tradition of argumentation, you have such a rich tradition of legal jurisprudence, you have such a rich tradition of knowledge systems. अगर आप ये बार-बार कहे जाते हैं कि बख्तियार किलजी ने हमारे इतने सारे पुस्तकालय को जला दिया है तो उनमें क्या थी अकॉर्डिंग टू यू नॉलेज ही तो था क्या आपके हिसाब से इतने सारे मंदिर या इतने सारे आपने जो आर्किटेक्चर यहां पे क्रिएट कर रखा है मुगलों के आने से पहले या फिर मुस्लिम्स के आने से पहले या इस्लाम की एंट्री के पहले ये आर्किटेक्चर कहां से आया श्योरली इट्स नॉट योर केस दैट लटियंस की आत्मा यहां पे घूम रही थी बिफोर ही वाज बोर्न ओके सो द अनफॉर्चूनेट रियलिटी इज we have decided that the concept of scientific temper, not just science, scientific temper, rationality and reason, all these issues or all these values, Bharatiya Sanskriti ke pare hai. It's almost as if we have decided that it doesn't have any relationship with our uh, civilization. So, therefore, apart from culture and the law, 
I do believe that a decolonial approach is extremely important, even from the especially from the uh, uh, from the realm of science, simply because. there are certain patterns of analysis there are certain patterns of looking at certain things which are extremely unique to this this particular civilization a certain pattern of looking at a certain issue a framework of looking at a particular subject that is more important than the knowledge of the subject itself aap kisi cheez ko kis nazariye se aur kis framework se dekhte hain aur kis andaaz se dekhte hain is the first thing that matters more than what is the end result of the particular analysis because ultimately that decides the manner of the analysis that decides the process that also asks i mean that asks the basic question is there anything cultural or unique about the manner in which you look at problems i've given a very crude example in a previous context which is to say china se ek engineer aata hai japan se ek engineer aata hai bharat se ek engineer aata hai sare ke sare engineers hote hain लेकिन आपका ये कहना थोड़ी हो सकता है कि एक प्रॉब्लम को अप्रोच करने का तरीका सबका एक ही होगा बिकॉज देर इज अ कल्चरल इम्पैक्ट ऑफ प्रॉब्लम सॉल्विंग एवरी कल्चर हैज इट्स ओन वेज ऑफ एनालाइजिंग अ प्रॉब्लम डायग्नोजिंग अ प्रॉब्लम एंड एड्रेसिंग अ सर्टन प्रॉब्लम और अ चैलेंज दैट इज वेर योर कल्चरल एक्सपीरियंस ट्रांसलेट्स टू इंडिविजुअल एक्सपीरियंस बिकॉज कलेक्टिव जो मेमरी होता है वो इंडिविजुअल के पास वैसे ही आता है बिकॉज हाउ डू वॉट यू आस्क योर what did my ancestors do in a similar situation when faced with a similar problem do i have an example to look at it or not that is what is taken forward as civilizational memory and cultural memory or collective memory it is not limited simply to aspects of history it is equally applicable to aspects of science it is equally applicable to aspects of let's say even architecture for that matter okay collective memory jo cheez hai usko ye sochna ki iska sirf ek kaam hai that it will occupy this role of an ornament or an abhushan which is to say it has no functional utility is perhaps the most uh, let's say misplaced way of looking at cultural memory the one of the most important things as a knowledge based society that we have always been or a knowledge driven society that we have always been is to understand what is our concept of knowledge and how did we approach knowledge to the extent that a significant amount of our societal organization or social organization revolved around knowledge as much as you believe that someone who imparts the vedas as education is important you equally believe that the vishwakarma equally has a place in this particular society who is responsible for building all the stunning architecture that we see around us okay because there is a traditional position called the sthapati which means the sculptor who is the one who actually carves and chisels and sculpts the murtis that you see in temples these people take extreme pride in their own knowledge of the vedas the puranas and the itihasas बिकॉज जब भी ये स्कल्प्ट करते हैं वे पुराण और इतिहास को ही तो स्कल्प्ट करते हैं मूर्तियों पे ऑन द वॉल्स ऑफ द टेम्पल वॉट यू सी इज योर इज योर हिस्ट्री नॉट मिथोलॉजी इज योर इतिहास इफेक्टिवली डू सो दैट बिकम्स अ क्राफ्ट इन इट सेल्फ दैट बिकम्स अ प्रोफेशन इन इट सेल्फ इट्स नॉट अ जॉब इट्स अ क्राफ्ट वेर इट इज फॉलोड बाई आई मीन इट्स इट्स इफेक्टिवली ट्रांसमिटेड फ्रॉम द फादर टू द सन एंड दैट्स हाउ इट बिकम्स अ वोकेशनल प्रोफेशन और अ जनरेशनल प्रोफेशन एंड देन इट बिकम्स अ कम्युनिटी सो as a knowledge driven society which has worshiped gyan it is extremely important for us to take back our own cultural agency with respect to how we perceive knowledge otherwise this colonial consciousness will push us to a point where we actually think of ayurveda at par with witchcraft i've heard such horrendous statements being made on twitter by doctors associations by allopathic medical practitioners that i would pity anyone who opts for ayurveda in this particular country because apart from the fact that they are not treated as mainstream by even the clients 
or let's say by the patient, so to speak, the medical fraternity itself thinks of them as second class citizens. Jin logon ko jati pratha se problem hai, unko is jati pratha se bhi problem honi chahiye. That you effectively have created a caste structure in such an important profession, despite the government taking steps to have recognized this, this, this particular uh, med- medical practice as a mainstream practice. I'll give you a simple example. Corona shuru hua tha from the Chinese. The China, uh, let's say the Chinese system also pushes the virus out and also comes out with Chinese traditional medicine to address the very same problem. And they decide to use this very, this very problem as a means to promote Chinese traditional medicine. During the entire lockdown, how many of us have followed any measures that have been taken by the central government to actively push Ayurvedic treatment mechanisms to address at least mild corona or moderate corona? We have not heard of that at all. Are you telling me that Ayurveda cannot even be trusted to address basic issues of immunity? Is that your position? There are, from what I hear, I mean, I've spoken to quite a few Ayurvedic practitioners because I was trying to help them with certain policy issues. They have close to 6,000 formulations to address a, a variety of fevers, a variety of imbalances, which is to say, virus could be ho, as long as I try and address. The imbalance between kapha, pitta, and uh, what, what are the water, which is the three different forms of energy in, in inside the human body, that is where the Ayurvedic analysis effectively starts. And they're telling, and in fact, whenever I used to discuss this issue with them, they'd say, it is really surprising. China, which is the mischief monger in this entire situation, gets away with actually pushing Chinese traditional medicine to the rest of the world. And we who actually are the recipients of such a brilliant system called the Ayurvedic system, don't even want to give Ayurveda a single chance of proving itself in such a critical juncture. That is where it answers your question, how second rate we think of ourselves and our own knowledge systems when it comes to even science. Talk to Ayurvedic practitioners and you can actually write a book on the Vyatha that they go through in this country because of being Ayurvedic practitioners. They are treated as second grade practitioners. You should actually talk to them. In fact, whenever possible, please host a talk by Professor Rama Jaisundar next time. And she will tell you exactly how they're treated by the so-called scientific community in this country because they literally function like a gymkhana or a mafia. So the very notion that you carry uh, is the issue that I'm trying to address through my book. And I'm urging readers to read the references in my book and treat my book primarily as a catalog of those references that I've given with respect to the Bharatiya civilization. Because, pardon me for saying so, your question is historically incorrect. It's factually completely incorrect. To assume that we are a constantly invaded and defeated civilization does such grave factual injustice to the kind of resistance that we have put up the kind of fight that we have given and the way we reconquered several portions. I'm sorry, this question is historically baseless. And there is a good reason for this. Each time this discussion happens, the, the trap that you walk into is by looking at Bharat's experience as an isolated experience, as if we are the only, only country that has constantly faced invasions and we have had no response mechanisms. 
the problem with that assumption is twofold one look at the number of pre christian pre islamic civilizations which have vanished in front of your eyes today and which have which have been pushed to extinction over several centuries lithuania is perhaps the youngest christian country uh, relatively speaking and even they became christian perhaps maybe uh, in, not not too far in time maybe 300 or 400 years ago maximum and compare that with bharat which has retained its non christian non hindu character to a significant extent and we continue to believe that we are invaded that we are defeated and that we were easily colonized do you really believe that the numbers that we have today in terms of population is because of any lack of effort or intent on the part of the muslim invader or the christian colonizer is that your understanding of history please look at the number of hindu princely states that sardar vallabhbhai patel had to weave together and put together to create the indian union look at the number of hindu princely states that ultimately the british man took the power from so clearly at least until the 18th century i would say until the battle of panipat and even significantly thereafter that is after 1761 you had reconquered so many areas compare that with africa compare that with latin america compare that with north america australia the rest of the world for that matter or even for that matter the rest of europe europe is not a christian uh, let's say christian civilization at the outset it has become christian civilization therefore the very first defeated civilization the very first conquered civilization the very first converted civilization is the european civilization which is completely lost its pre christian origins its pre christian faith systems please take a look at what is happening in lithuania in iceland and so many other countries where they are trying to revive the faith systems which existed prior to christianity in those parts of the world they are struggling to do so even in bharat at the very least you are close to 800 million and the entire population of hindus in the world is 1.1 billion you are the third largest religion in the in the world take a look at what has happened with the jews look at all these experiences and you still think of yourself as a defeated society i'm sorry that's the problem with the history textbooks today because it teaches you that you are a defeated society after the first invasion or let's say the first major incursion which is the invasion of sindh by the arabs i think in 711 ce it took them close to 300 years to cross the sindh the frequent invasions and the regularity of invasions started in the let's say the late 10th century or the uh, let's say early 11th century and after that obviously as a civilization you have taken some time to respond but what do you make of the rajputs what do you make of the marathas what do you make of the sikhs somehow we so selectively celebrate all of them and still continue to believe that we are a defeated civilization does nobody teach you how the dutch navy lost at the hands of martanda varma the king of travancore in the 18th century the first asian uh, let's say ruler to comprehensively de- defeat a european navy don't we read any of this that's the problem i'm sorry i don't have a problem with you personally but this question is reflective of the abysmal and disappointing lack of knowledge as far as bharat's history is concerned when you look at bharat in isolation you will assume that this is some kind of a walk in and a walk over where everybody's had a walk in the park to simply enter this place the kind of ruthless resistance that was given even to alexander alexander forget everybody else 
Alexander was given among the toughest resistances that that was ever known by the Brahmins and the ladies of that particular region, which you know as the Vahik Pradesh today, which is the Bactrian region. Read this. You have inherited a history and heritage of valor and huge resistance and successful resistance. Entire Spain was under Islamic rule for close to 800 years, after which they had to launch what is known as Reconquista. From the Bharti experience, Reconquista has been going on right from the beginning. Ask the Rajasthanis and they'll tell you the proud history of Baparaval, who actually kicked these fellows all the way to, uh, to Arabia once more. This was I think this was before the, uh, the uh, Bin Qasim's invasion of, of, uh, of Raja Dahir and Sindh. This was before that. Please read history. Don't jump to these conclusions. What you're taught in your textbooks is rubbish. It's garbage. Not even worth being recycled. Read the works of R.C. Majumdar. I keep repeating these names over and over again. Read the works of Jadunath Sarkar. Read the words of Harbila Sarda. Read the works of G.C. Pandey. Read the works of contemporary scholars like Meenakshi Jain, Dr. Meenakshi Jain, or Sitaram Goel, who is written on the Hindu resistance. You are not children of Gandhi. And you are certainly not children of some peace-loving uh, 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 hippie. You have taken forward or you have inherited a huge tradition of Kshatra, regardless of what you think of your Varna. So please negate this nonsense from your head. Remove this rubbish from your head. You know nothing about history if this is your question. This is exactly why you need to read the book. To say that your notions of Bharat's history are so buried under what the white man wants us to understand and think of ourselves that we are a defeated society. What defeated society? Europe today is in shambles. It has no response to the challenge of the Middle East. Bharat has been dealing with this for several centuries now and it has managed to contain what Europe is unable to contain. Sweden is effectively crumbling as a society as a consequence of illegal migration. Germany doesn't want to talk about the mass rapes that happen in that particular country as a consequence of migration. Paris doesn't want to talk about certain suburbs which are no-go zones for the police anymore. That's exactly what is happening in the so-called West because they don't know how to handle this creature. We know how to handle this creature. We've been doing so for generations. Please press a delete button, control, all delete, and a permanent delete of this nonsense from your head. Read proper books. I hope you do so, and I hope you never ask this question again, and you stop someone from asking this question again, and shame him for asking this question the next time. This question is not a problem which is personal, but this is a problem that is collective. You have no idea how frustrating and how disappointing it is to hear this question in the age of internet, where source after source, literature after literature is available for people to read, and still they don't read. Where are you getting these opinions from? What is your source? What are you exactly reading that tells you that you're a defeated society? If you're reading the Marxist school of nonsense, their entire goal has been to push you into slavery. Don't read literature written by, I'm sorry to say, Irfan Habib or Rogla Thapar or R.S. Sharma. They are not worth reading at all under any circumstances. The only reason that you should read them is to understand how paid stooges have effectively brushed Bharat's history under the carpet to the detriment of the civilization. I dare use that language. These people did not have the guts or the courage of the conviction 
to actually prove their point in the Ram Janmabhoomi case, when invited to actually present themselves as expert witnesses, when they kept peddling nonsense and propaganda, as opposed to putting forth facts. So please don't read these books. They are not worth reading at all. At the very least, in the age of internet, nobody should have the excuse of saying, I was not aware of this. When you can Google for all sorts of rubbish, please Google on Indian history. Most of the literature is available on archive.org free of charge. The bulk of the literature, at least 30% of the references that I've referred to in my book, we downloaded it from archive.org. Please read them. When I say this equally of the history of the North and the South, because there is no such thing as the North and the South, Bharat has behaved as one. So I'm sorry for this rant. I'm sure this is going to go viral on YouTube. <laughs> but this question has opened the floodgates and that's precisely the rogue that I'm trying to cure through the book. Because generations of historians have been trying to cure this. And I hope to put forth that literature before people to say, Kuch bolne se pehle because you will pass on this very same nonsense to the next generation. Are you telling me that after having converted several continents, the only reason that you are alive today as Hindus is because of the benevolence of the Christian colonizer or the invader? How is that even possible? Surely you are not related to him. You are not a chacha bhatija. No? So why are you being given this kind of a leeway? That is because you fought back spiritually, politically, culturally, militarily, intellectually. Introspect where is this question coming from? Is it coming from a position of knowledge? Or is it coming from the darkness of ignorance? If you if you can honestly come back to if, if you can honestly tell yourself, I did not know enough to arrive at this conclusion, I would say that's a fantastic beginning. Then start knowing enough. Start reading. Jis mudde pe sawal karne ki icha hai ya uspe baat karne ke liye aap tayar hai. First principle is usme padna sikhe aur tayari karna sikhe. Uske baad aap apne conclusions ko present ki I'm sorry, this is not meant to be rude to the person who has asked the question. The point is, this is reflective of the massive cancer in the society, especially the Hindu community. And particularly and solely the Hindu community. Because I think this is the community that needs a surgical invasive strike. It needs truth bombs on a daily basis. Others know your, your, uh, your history better. Others know your language better. Your Sanskrit is being, let's say, hijacked and monopolized by Westerners with a, with a very clear agenda. Ek din aega, like Audrey Tushki, when you talk about Sanskrit and your religion, she will get up and her cohorts will get up and say, Tumhe kuch nahi aata, muh band rakho. Hum, aapke dharm ke baare mein, hum aapse behtar jantte hain. Ye bhi ek din aega. Aa chuka hai already. It's, I mean, I, I would say our ancestors will regret for having spawned these kind of people because what they fought for during years of colonization and years of invasions, 
we are giving it away in so called independent bharat that is the sad reality the resistance that was alive until 1947 has been snuffed out of the society by the by the uh, by the irresponsible paid nehruvian civilization 100% nehruvian civilization according to me is a separate civilization jinko bharat se koi lagav hai na judav hai their utter disgust and hatred they have successfully passed it on through the education system and the language policies of this country aap apne aap ko is rog se mukt kijiye kisi bhi halat mein start reading the literature at least in your mother tongues man your ancestors have written in tamil telugu in uh, assamese bengali in so many languages at the very least read that literature ek single sentence aap string nahi kar pate hain apni matrabhasha mein despite having the best of resources and you think you actually have the standing to point fingers at your ancestors who have not just withstood but have successfully repelled the invader and again not to be personal but kuch to sharam karni chahiye hame they died and they fought to protect the civilizational space to protect this punya bhumi not as a territory but as a bhumi where our ancestors are worshiped and our gods are worshiped with sticks with broomsticks with vessels and utensils the brahmins fought alexander the so called conqueror who was stopped in his tracks in the one country that he could not defeat which is bharat in which other country did his soldiers say i don't want to go to this place because i don't think we can fight the army that was the reaction this is not entire bharat's army he is talking of one janapad which is magad one janapad's army is capable of instilling diffidence in the so called world conquering force which is alexander's army who had defeated darius's persia who had finished all the way from middle east babylon he is coming here and he stopped in his tracks here and you think you've in you've you've inherited a legacy of defeatism you may not respect yourself but please respect your ancestors they did a stupendous job of protecting this country that's why we are able to come up with this nonsense i think it is our lack of zeal and and understanding that we are not making effort to know enough about our culture and sanskriti anyway keeping my question very short so that others can also get time one of the things which recently have been uh, which recently have bothered me a lot is the recent zeal of the judiciary to uh, basically go and and poke its nose everywhere whether it belongs or not that i can't, i can't comment on but and what 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 surprises me is that everybody nowadays think that this 75 old document called the constitution of india has to trump everything which includes our you know 5000 7000 8000 year old civilization and its values and everything and that to created by set of people who were educated in the british system all of them even though we are ganatantra but there was no public representation over there in that in that group of people who created it and it's all the educated people british educated people who went ahead and and wrote whatever they wanted to or whatever and but that whole idea that this can trump our civilizational values is is, is very very you know uh sad as far as i am concerned what's your opinion about it sir in the bharat uh, sorry in the section on coloniality which is the first section of the book there is a very specific subsection where i address this disease which is called constitution the new true religion of post colonized societies or decolonized societies so read that portion where i specifically say how judiciary in these countries has now become 
the new protestant reformation movement where it is constantly asking people to sever its roots or their roots with their civilization in the name of constitutional morality okay and how the use of constitutional morality as a doctrine has come to the severe detriment of indic civilization and its space is something that i have clearly taken a position on despite being a practitioner of constitutional law before the supreme court i have taken this position very clearly see you have to remember that to assume that everything can be addressed legally or through the law is not possible sometimes it is for the society to stand up and express its opinion in a constitutional way but make its position known to the powers that be both in the executive and the legislature or uh, in fact even in the judiciary to say please know what your limits are when it comes to interfering with us as much as the constitution gives you the power to set certain things in order it also sets the red lines which are not supposed to cross and the judiciary is equally expected to respect those red lines and the judiciary cannot treat itself as a god sent institution to reform the rest of the society i dare say so and i've said as much in the book so it is for people to actually say this because you see ek taraf contempt of contempt of court act hai okay aap ye nahi bol sakte hain wo nahi bol sakte hain ye nahi keh sakte hain wo nahi keh sakte we can't be uh, held uh, held to account by the legislature we can't be held to account by the judiciary uh, by the uh, uh, executive and the only people that we will be held to account by by is our own selves so if that is your attitude then perhaps at some stage the public will need to respond to this through articles through letters through opinion pieces and say please preserve your respect apni izzat apne haath to aap please apne aap apni izzat ko bachaiye by keeping yourself both transparent and accountable that's the only way you earn the respect of the people see i've said this before that if people lose faith in the legislature or the executive that is still okay because they hope that the one organization or the one institution that will conduct itself better is the judiciary so the worst situation for a democracy is not when people lose faith in the executive or the legislature but when they lose both faith in and respect for the judiciary and it, i think it's time for the judiciary to seriously introspect this the colonial lens that they wear when it comes to indic civilizational aspects needs to be discarded in the dustbin they need to stop doing this and i say so with a lot of respect knowing fully well that uh the institution is not a monolith because there are multiple opinions because as many people populate an institution there are as many opinions so there is diversity of thought unfortunately only those positions which are anti civilization or which are at loggerheads with the civilization constantly get traction in the media so therefore the media must be equally held responsible for airing only those views as opposed to those views which are closest to and consistent with indic civilization ethos so that reality also exists otherwise you wouldn't have had a dissenting judgment in the sabarimala case for that matter right otherwise you would have had a unanimous judgment so the point or you wouldn't have had a successful judgment in the sri padmanabha swami temple case okay so there are certain positives also no institution is a monolith there is a diversity of opinions but the public must start talking about it see uh, this is a common thread that is going to run and perhaps is going to preempt a lot of questions that are going to come my way which is har cheez ka nivaran uh, legal 
प्रोसेस से नहीं होता है द सोसाइटी नीड्स टू अंडरस्टैंड दट इट नीड्स टू कॉन्स्टेंटली बी वोकल अबाउट इट स्पेस अदरवाइज बोथ द स्टेट एज वेल एज अदर आर्म्स ऑफ द स्टेट विल कॉन्स्टेंटली एंक्रोच अपॉन द स्पेस ऑफ द सोसाइटी दैट इज द नेचर ऑफ दीज इंस्टीट्यूशन they would want to arrogate as much power to themselves as possible so that from top to bottom will be written in the name of constitutional morality to further constitutional morality and to protect constitutional morality to bacha kya civilization ki agency ka what happens to the civilization's free will what happens to the organic growth of a society will the judiciary determine the course of history how is that even possible is that the purpose of the judiciary as envisaged by the framers of the constitution is that consistent with constitutional morality these are hard questions it's important that these uncomfortable questions are asked but it must come from the society as well at some stage the use of the contempt of courts act to stifle any form of legitimate criticism of the judiciary as a as an institution must be stopped that discussion must start and i think we are at the right stage for this given what's happening in certain cases so this is uh, i would basically say the public needs to respect the law but not fear any institution no state's institution is meant to be feared people must abide by the law and respect the constitution but they should not be in fear of any institution because at the end of the day we are part of the society we have every right to criticize every institution which is clearly crossing its its red lines lakshman rekha sirf society legislature or executive ke liye nahi hai sabhi ke liye hai that is exactly what is known as separation of powers that is called the doctrine of separation of powers ki aap apne daire ko samjhiye aur aap apni hadon mein rahiye ye sabhi pe lagu hota hai next question i have this uh, quotation from uh, vs naipaul in his book india wounded civilization so right, right. vs naipaul as you know is no, no negationist he also understands what we went through in history and all that but his right. uh, so uh, his resolution is completely different from perhaps what you are saying so right. uh, he uh, i am quoting now directly from vs naipaul and he right. says in conquered india renaissance has always been taken to mean a recovery of what has been suppressed or dishonored mm. uh, in an exalting of old ways seeds of respite mm. men have never taken the opportunity mm. or perhaps have been without the intellectual means to move ahead right and disasters come again art historians tell us uh, naipaul concludes that uh, these are only aspects of a larger crisis which is that of a decaying civilization where right. the only hope lies in further swift decay right okay so, shall i respond uh, yes okay please read the scholarship on naipaul scholarship after naipaul where the analysis is or the diagnosis is that notwithstanding his recognition of the wounded nature of the civilization to a significant extent naipaul's opinions are also influenced or were also influenced by orientalism wherein he had effectively assumed and to uh, tie it back to two questions before that there is a fundamental problem in the civilization which is why it is constantly wounded and defeated okay as opposed to asking or coming out with a conceptual framework as to what is the problem how did we arrive here what is the institutional mechanism that was put in place by the christian colonizer to 
put forth his point of view or to impose his world view on this particular society as opposed to asking that scholarly question naipaul's strength as well as his perhaps weakness is the recognition of a problem which is to say that there is a wounded character of the civilization but what and how is something that is not addressed by him enough that is my reading of his scholarship as well as that is what other scholars have also said i am not a scholar i am saying this is what scholars have said i have had an opportunity to read some of his books and i do believe that one of the things that he believes as the weakness of the civilization according to him is its inability and reluctance to engage with the rest of the world and to actively deal with it now the funny part is naipaul was significantly dealing with a nehruvian india and therefore at a time when the government certainly did not believe in a free market economy and therefore empowering the individual or innovation or the latent entrepreneurial spirit of this particular country naipaul was actually dealing with three waves of colonization islamic colonization christian colonization and nehruvian colonization of this country's consciousness so therefore would naipaul have held the same views about bharat had he visited bharat and had experienced the explosion of the entrepreneurial spirit of bharat post the liberalization of 1991 is a question that you need to ask second would he have had this opinion of bharat in the 2000s would he have had this opinion of bharat in the 2020s that's a legitimate question because he was dealing with a society which was being bound by its own government in an independent country from expressing its free market potential nehruvian economics if at all it can be called economics was seen as representative of what was called as the hindu rate of growth pejoratively that was historically incorrect economically incorrect and factually incorrect an artificially imposed fetter on a society's ability to innovate and transact and engage with the world is effectively diagnosed as a fundamental problem with the society itself look at the problem with the analysis so his analysis that obviously we have been wounded by islamic invasions and christian colonization to that extent is right but to assume that that is the reason that we have we did not develop or that we were limited to villages or that we couldn't urbanize is to actually fail to understand the impact of nehruvian mindset on bharat as opposed to nehru if let's say independent bharat had paid heed to rajagopalachari's advice where he said please don't go the way of russia let's not look at the soviet model of centralized planning let's look at the free market economics of the west because that is the way of the future and we need wealth creation to lift this country out of the ocean of poverty that it is actually it it, it found itself in at 1947 and that is the condition that was created by the british man if rajagopalachari's advice had been paid heed to or sardar vallabhbhai patel had been the prime minister would naipaul have found himself with this analysis in the 80s and the 90s i don't think so so naipaul's analysis must be attributed to the artificial conditions and fetters imposed on the civilization by nehru and nehruvian dispensations after nehru not to anything else i can't understand the simple i mean see here's the here's the important aspect it's the same civilization which suddenly spikes and uh, let's say which whose growth of uh, whose rate of growth improves after 1991 the moment the economy is realized so what has changed in 1990 and 1991 that the civilization suddenly responds to the west better that it is able to negotiate with the west in wto gat and other places surely ek saal mein to kuch nahi badla na 
that means you were repressed and you were not being allowed to prove your caliber on the international stage that is where i believe that there are portions of naipaul's analysis which must be certainly accepted but there are certain portions which do not take into account the fetters imposed on this uh, on the on, on the potential of the civilization by the nehruvian mindset next question so you have mentioned that uh, in, in your book that our minds are still uh, remain colonized and obviously this can be evidence from the fact that we are still following a prishara constitution maybe we should move to a more dharmic or dharma based constitution i have But not then, said that in the book no no i'm i'm saying maybe you know then the alternative could be that there we could move to a more dharma based constitution no uh, i have not said in the book that we are using a british made constitution no i mean british era or the laws that have been forwarded from from the british uh, when when they were ruling us i have not analyzed the current constitution but okay please go on uh would you like to be kind of our modern day bihar ambedkar in his capacity as the drafting committee chairman uh, to kind of come up with something which will be more suitable to our our society our dharmic values i'm saying this because it's easy to navigate uh, from our current constitution to what we want it to look like uh if we have sufficient political will and society backing us one i don't want to be a modern ambedkar or a current day ambedkar uh, that is a role that i certainly do not want to take up i have my own reasons for it i respect uh, the gentleman for his contributions but uh, i don't uh, want to be an ambedkar uh, second uh, there will be certain policy based prescriptions on the way forward on the constitution uh, in the second book and the third book that's exactly what i have said in the conclusion to the book of the first book that here i analyze until um, 1919 1920 the actual framing of the current constitution between 1920 and 1951 uh, rather 50 and 51 shall be discussed in the second book where after the analysis i will present whatever tentative solutions and suggestions i have on whether this constitution is capable of protecting our interests or what are the changes tweaks or interpretations or complete overhauls and revamps it may need that is a discussion that i will have after the second book not before that the reason why i am not in a position to offer that yet is because my analysis is work in progress on this particular period okay so i don't want to jump the gun and place the cart before the horse until that analysis is complete because i certainly don't believe in creating a predetermined outcome and pushing the argument in that particular direction i want to keep an open mind during the process of writing the second book because that is the most important book in this trilogy the first book is merely setting the conceptual tone for the trilogy and i've compared this crudely with bahubali one where i'm actually introducing the characters how these characters play out and how it has impacted the framework of the constitution will be analyzed and discussed in the second book post which i'll come out with whatever i think are my limited prescriptions assuming i have the brains and the bandwidth for it but i'll certainly endeavor to do so by drawing significantly from dharmic principles so i'm having to read dharmic notions of the state dharmic notions of rights and duties and also compare and contrast it with let's say the exercise undertaken during the framing of the constitution so effectively this entire this uh, uh, promotion drama which is going on currently of the current book will end in a week or so maximum in two weeks i'll put an end to it after that by 7th of october it'll it'll be done and dusted after that i will not promote this book any further because i have to start seriously the second book that is the most important activity apart from my own practice and stuff so 
after the 7th of october i'll jump headlong into this particular activity so uh, to to give a, a short answer to your very important question give it time i'll certainly respond to it in the second book okay i have a lot of questions but i want to ask you uh, i'll ask you just one yes you spoke about ayurveda hmm and i'm not going to the past i'm a researcher and i have read all the books that you have recommended and uh, okay uh, i live in australia so la two years or three years uh, back uh, we started seeing advertisements about western herbal medicine okay and first first thing was we started laughing and even hmm. on the <laughs> uh, facebook advertisements you will see comments where people laugh western herbal medicine how can you say that you know chinese we know african we know indian we know ayurveda Mm. western medicine is something that is where are you getting mm. it from mm. uh that point in time i did not realize the uh, long term implications of this over a period of time then covid 19 happened and we all saw the reactions to ayurvedic medicines ananda yagaru everybody else and uh, then uh, while doing my research i also came across invest india website where it was written that there is 100% fdi in ayurveda government has approved that so i was shocked saying that on the one hand we are not allowed to practice what is ours and on the other hand you are allowing for the foreigners to come and have 100% fdi in ayurveda and the other shocking thing was that 100% fdi in all three different categories of businesses either by automatic route or by direct route this was really revealing and shocking and then when you come across the policies that are being made these days i'm not sure how many are going into the policy uh, in depth understanding of those they all seem to be what you mentioned uh, western uh, universal models with eurocentric gaze with eurocentric investments in this regard if development is expedited four times the speed of what happened in the last few decades in the next where are we heading and how do we mitigate the risks is my question to you thank you you just made my point because this is exactly what i've been trying to tell people that you are limiting the scope of your cultural angst to politics as opposed to looking at policy okay which is to say you're so caught up in politics that you're not asking yourself what has it translated to with respect to policy whether the very same eurocentrism and western normativism is being pushed even by an ostensibly non left government okay and any time and every time somebody asks this question notwithstanding the fact that you vote for this government or you otherwise back for this government or you support this government on critical issues your allegiance is still questioned your loyalty is questioned unfortunately that is these questions uh, don't seem to come actually from the establishment itself these questions come from let's say the the trolls that swarm social media okay who don't understand policy the the worst part about let's say the situation is people in power are open to these questions they are open to criticism they are open to being told that you are actually getting it wrong on certain aspects but the ones who are loyal to the master than the master himself don't want you to ask these questions because they are extremely these questions are extremely uncomfortable questions and that's exactly where civilizational interests and dare i say epistemological interests knowledge based interests are being surrendered at the altar of and at the feet of politics 
you're talking of let's say ayurveda and science i asked the very same question with respect to the law which is to say what concrete steps have we taken to indigenize legal education in this country because legal reforms don't start from legal policies at the at the top they start with legal education these are legitimate questions now you try telling these so called uh, let's say people who keep shouting on social media are bhai you will escalate or air or ventilate an expectation only if you believe that somebody has the intent or has the will or will is capable of doing it now when you ask me to shut up are you telling me that don't have such expectations i believe that this is the best government to actually put forth your point of view on these aspects because i couldn't have aired these expectations to the previous government but interestingly the ayush ministry was created by the previous government that is a reality that people may not want to talk about okay because they are so stuck in government versus government as opposed to asking what happens to our right to speak about indigenous science at the global table of science or a knowledge in general if i had said this point at the outset i would have been accused of a shifting allegiance okay or i would have been accused of taking a position against someone when the fact of the matter is i know for a fact that's not what let's say that someone would also think simply because if you don't take the criticism of well meaning uh, uh, constituents then who will you listen to right we believe that as long as you are in power there are quite a few things that can be achieved for the civilization so therefore we have every legitimate right and let's say dare i say a civilizational obligation to push this as much as possible so i'm grateful for the question because otherwise had it not been for this question i'm sure i'd have actually been flooded with hate mail for raising these points i'd have all sorts of comments flooding me on twitter saying oh look at him he is going to vote for the other side the next time oh he is saying don't vote for this party th- this time are ye nahi honge to tum kahan jaoge are ve kaun keh raha hai ye sab who is saying all of this why are you inventing straw man arguments ek legitimate sawal pucha ja raha hai uska jawab dijiye और भारत देखिए सो लेट मी लेट मी टेक अ स्टेप फर्दर हिंदुत्व क्या सिर्फ पॉलिटिक्स में है साइंस में नहीं है क्या नॉलेज में नहीं है क्या एजुकेशन में नहीं है क्या भाषा नीति में नहीं है तो हिंदुत्व का अगर रेलेवेंस जो है हर स्पेसिफिक इश्यू में है और लेट से हर हर एरिया में है तो आप सिर्फ इसको पोलिटिकल एरिया में क्यों देख रहे हिंदुत्व अकॉर्डिंग टू मी हैज लेजिटमसी एन एप्लीकेशन in every realm of civilizational interest it can't get clearer than that you are the one who is effectively saying that hindutva must be limited to municipal elections assembly elections and parliamentary elections isse zyada aapka dimag jata nahi hai aur iske bare mein sochna nahi chahte what are we supposed to do see here's the interesting part every time the left says the non left in this country the right in this country unke paas na dimag hai na intellectual kabiliyat hai unko jawab dene ka man nahi karta hai kya aapko these are the people who are casteists who are effectively saying that only the left is the repository of knowledge and brains inko jawab dena chahiye muh tod jawab dena chahiye ki aap jo padha rahe hain logon ko aur bachchon ko jo padha rahe hain it is not it's not science it's quackery and what you're teaching history what you're teaching students in the name of history is propaganda 
यू आर द फैशिस्ट मार्क्सिस ऑफ द फर्स्ट ऑर्डर ये जवाब देना जरूरी है सो ऑब्वियसली टू आंसर द क्वेश्चन आई एंडॉस द क्वेश्चन कंप्लीटली आई ऑल्सो एंडॉस द अंडरलाइंग सेंटिमेंट बिहाइंड द क्वेश्चन एंड आई एम ग्रेटफुल फॉर द क्वेश्चन एज मच एज आई हैड अ प्रॉब्लम विथ let's say a few questions before three questions before not with the person who was asking the question but the 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 incurability of the particular disease this is the issue again i repeat before i am swarmed by trolls on social media are bhai main congress ke liye vote nahi karunga chinta mat karo ye us cheez ke bare mein nahi hai har cheez voting pe jaake nahi rukti hai usse thoda aage sochne ki koshish karo two i am equally aware that we are able to have these discussions only because of the dispensation from 2014 ye bhi sach hai i don't need to be told this obviously so many initiatives have become possible because of this there is no doubting it at all aap se koi ye shay chheenne ki koshish nahi kar raha hai to chinta mat karo don't lose sleep over this chill karo but usse aage bhi aap dekhna sikho these are legitimate questions That tomorrow indigenous sciences pay or indigenous industry पे फिर से अंग्रेजों का कब्जा नहीं होना चाहिए मल्टीनेशनल का कब्जा नहीं होना चाहिए ये हमारे हैं ये हिंदुत्व की तो बात है हाउ इज दिस एनी डिफरेंट थैंक यू नेक्स्ट आई एम ऑल्सो फ्रॉम मेलबर्न एंड वेरी लुकिंग फॉर टू गेटिंग योर बुक हेयर सोन टू रीड अबाउट इट सो क्वेश्चन I had actually made a presentation in Sangam Talks around six months ago on India-China trade relations. Okay. And sir. we had done a six months search. You know, this was especially during the border war, right? And everybody was talking about it. What we found was, in the last twenty-five years, the policies uh, that were being passed for in- India-China relations have really not changed. So when we raised this with uh, BJP elected officials, RSS, everybody, they said, "Hamen hi pata yar, bureaucrats kar rahe hain, ham follow kar rahe." Now recently, the temple demolitions that happened in Karnataka. I'm basically from Bangalore, so we did not sleep for two days. so when we went and asked again the elected officials and we messaged them bombard them was saying what is happening we were told that sorry our election uh, sorry court order hum kya kar sakte hain so we were forced to go see the court order the so moto that was filed the order that was given after that and it quite clearly said that after 2009 if there are any legal structures you can you can demolish them old ones you have to be given options so when we went back and said now suddenly bjp mp has filed a, uh, in mysore and got stopped the helplessness that we are seeing is irrespective of the elected government the bureaucrats seem to be running the country and that was a conclusion we came last time whether it's economic it's religious it's anything that's happening so i'm not even making it political and these bureaucrats seem to be driven by the same epistemological issues that you called out multiple times in your speaking and people have asked me when i made a presentation in sangam talks also saying okay you've identified the problem what next so i said <laughs> i need to even i'm finding it difficult even share the research we are doing with the right people and i don't even know whether our own elected officials are ready to hear this and i certainly don't think the bureaucrats there's any way to um, reeducate them or share the results of our research and saying what are you doing why are you doing this all evidence based hard fact research this is none of the things that we presented was anything opinion based at all right even when people said china investment is zero we actually showed them that there is 36 billion dollars worth of chinese investment in india right uh, whether it's in ayurveda temple infrastructure we studied everything and same thing now is happening they're trying to make uh, tourism product out of temples as well so i think what we are not able to figure out is we can't control the court because the court orders are getting misinterpreted we can't vote for the right government because both the governments seem to be doing the same thing up in the last 25 years 
we don't have a way to communicate to the bureaucrats because they don't want to listen to us and i'm sure we are appreciating a zoom call we are doing right now and talking to each other what i'm not finding is in the democratic process that we have created how do we actually drive change apart from attending 11 pm night call i'm i am not sleeping figuring out how to solve the problem and i don't know how to solve the problem so i think we need more heads together but i think that's a frustration i was hoping that uh, once your book comes we can read a little bit more but if you have any thoughts on it it would be lovely to hear that as well sir one of the things i think uh, this question and the question posed by uh, your compatriot another australian hindu <laughs> is um uh, uh how do i say this i mean you have said what quite a few people here have been saying for some time now that policy seems to be in the hands of the same congress establishment bureaucrat okay and therefore change in power has not translated to change in policy on certain aspects again let me caveat this before again this is misinterpreted because again social media will pick this one line out and keep circulating it over and over and over again say hey, here he comes he is the congress agent he is the mole ye wo this he is the trojan ye shuru ho jayega so let and paid chinese agent all of this will start are bhai i am anti china let me be clear okay so that's one second i am making the point very very clearly that there are quite a few achievements of this government i won't deny them article 370 caa everything yes accepted i will i will always say this is the only government that could have done this that's exactly why this was voted to power no denying it at all okay but long term procedural process based systemic changes bureaucratic changes policy based changes are also called for on certain critical issues i didn't speak much about ayurveda because I, my exposure is limited but the lady before you proved my point through policy i am not an economics guy so i have to keep my mouth shut on this but you have just made your point on chinese investment in this country okay now i would seriously want at least the listeners of this particular video and the watchers to please take note of this there is no better dispensation than this dispensation under which this change can be affected that is the expectation this is the only government that has the will and that has the political mandate to undertake these sweeping changes they are important these invasive surgeries are important and these can't be bloodless surgeries someone has to bleed because these are entrenched viruses and cancers in the system again i have dealt with quite a few bureaucrats i will not brand all bureaucrats as being anti india i am not going to make that statement quite a few people the honest ones constantly get churned they constantly get stuck between let's say the rock and the hard place i'll say all of that but this is not about individuals this is about the system itself so the only hope that i have is repeated attacks i can't think of any other solution at this stage because practically i'm beat beat education beat let's say or legal education legal reforms or let's say scientific reforms education reforms and when i say education reforms i'm not limiting myself only to history textbooks we have to go beyond that investment based reforms protecting see i am someone who consciously believes that this atmanirbharta is a fantastic initiative i just hope that the policies which are crafted by the mandarins sitting in let's say bureaucratic establishments are not constantly trying to undermine atmanirbharta as a project okay 
because every project which is capable of having a pro india effect a pro bharat effect in the long run and secure our national interest should not be compromised because of some unelected bureaucrat who on earth is the bureaucrat to constantly come in the way of important policies who is funding such bureaucrats what is this money trail where is this coming from who are these paid interests at the end of the day who are standing in the way of national interest this is the only government with the political mandate and the will that can address it so i hope more enlightened people like you keep airing this expectation because i genuinely believe that this uh, this dispensation still has its ears to the ground it still pays attention to what people are saying to what well wishers are saying okay i asked i mean i i certainly projected and i certainly stood up as a well wisher before the 2019 elections when i was asked to speak at a certain places so i still continue to be a well wisher of this dispensation and i don't need to beat around the bush i don't care for the labels that come from any other side but all of this needs to translate to concrete policy based initiatives because it is policy that ensures continuity regardless of change in government you need to at least put those easter eggs in the system so that they can ripen or or, or let's say work at the right moment i don't know sir i i honestly don't know maybe i don't have the brains to offer any further solution the only thing that i have been trying to actually do is to talk talk and talk and and move certain uh or let's say uh, set a couple of balls in motion but beyond that i think uh, you need to have uh, a discussion of of such nature with someone better but uh, from what you tell me i've already had that discussion and still nothing has come out of it so <laughs> i don't know maybe i leave it to lord ram jay shri ram is all i can say next saidi ji i met you uh, in 2017 in one of your talks on immigration ever since then i have been following you Oh, and it's more important than that You're the cause for which we all stand behind in here and i'm also been i have also been trying to contribute to it in a different area in the field of arts I in, see. in in literature and in an institutionalized way as part of a project as part of a research a formal research in which i believe that when we are reading post colonial literature some of the most celebrated writers from salman rushdie to many others though they are being considered as voice of the post colonial world of the <laughs> colonized world but to my eye i believe that they are representing the colonial thought itself in some way or the other and this is what i want to show and it's been very difficult because if i pick up some 20 scholars and thinkers on post colonialism within those 20 18 again would seem to be saying something which directly or indirectly project the same colonial view that india is a country of contradictions failed correct. democracy correct uh, historical uh, no no nation before no it, sense of history history. constantly invaded constantly colonized stuck in caste dowry sati go on and uh, in the name of nationalism uh, they are uh, they are representing the voice of their subaltern their women their religious minorities etc and two uh, like two thinkers here like partha chatterjee and these uh, ranjit duha Yeah, what yeah, yeah. is that in the na- that indian nationalism is a copy of western nationalism right i want right, you right. to throw your ideas on that first like answer those questions answer those things first indian yeah. nationalism is a copy of western nationalism they are just copying the yeah, same yeah. document through which they were yeah, colonized yeah, and repressed and second yeah, is indian yeah. nationalism is antithetical or it represses the voices of 
the marginalized communities so we right. must abandon this project of nationalism and so on mm-hmm. and third is it is irrelevant in a globalized world where borders don't matter and in mm-hmm. the dire in the name of diaspora and all those things they are they are blurring that they are uh, reducing the uh, the intensity of uh, anti colonial struggle which should continue even today so these okay. are some of the things I'm, re- I'm, I'm and i'm really finding it very hard to work upon that because as i said of the 20 thinkers 18 thinkers they would fall in that category i have risked my life on that in, on this project and uh, so please throw some ideas on you and lastly lastly please also Jeez. let us know how can i connect with you or like if it is possible i really tried to connect with you over the last 3 4 years many a time since that imi- uh, immigration talk on rohingyas in 2017 november ji 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 that was held by sangam talks in its previous avatar only yes ha so uh, सर आपने मेरी किताब पढ़ी है सर आई वाज वेटिंग कि मैं आपसे एक ऑटो आपसे एक साइन कॉपी लूंगा मतलब या तो मैं सवाल इसलिए कर रहा हूं नॉट मैं यहां पे किताब की बिक्री करने की कोशिश नहीं कर रहा हूं ये सवाल मैंने इसलिए पूछा दिस एग्जैक्ट इशू ऑफ द प्रॉब्लम विद पोस्ट कॉलोनियलिटी आई हैव एड्रेस्ड इन द बुक ओके जो मुद्दा आपने उठाया है यू विल सी दिस इन सेक्शन 1 वेयर आई स्पीक ऑफ द प्रॉब्लम्स विद पोस्ट कॉलोनियल स्कूल and its active role in pushing coloniality into bharat society okay this is the exact issue aur jin mahan bhavon ka naam aapne abhi nikala tha na kya naam hai partha chatter ji inke kaam ko bhi maine thoda bahut wahan pe address kar rakha hai ke log kar kya rahe hain bharat mein ye post coloniality ke naam pe coloniality ko bharat ke atma ke andar ghusa ke ja rahe hain aur i have said this very clearly okay in fact there are brilliant scholars on the subject who have called out partha chatterjee on the same issue who basically saying aap samajh rahe hain ki aap you are basically giving the impression that you are challenging the colonizer and his world view but you are actually using the very same template to look at us okay which is precisely why jab main decoloniality ko option deta hu as an alternative to post coloniality unfortunately non left ke thode buddhi ji bhi aise baithe hain जिनको ना पोस्ट कॉलोनियलिटी समझ में आता है ना पोस्ट मॉडर्निज्म समझ में आता है ना डी कॉलोनियलिटी समझ में आता है आप इस सब्जेक्ट में पढ़े हैं तो मैं आपको बताता हूं क्या आप ये कहेंगे कि पोस्ट कॉलोनियलिटी और डी कॉलोनियलिटी एक ही स्कूल से आते हैं विल यू से दैट इज इट पॉसिबल टू मेक दट स्टेटमेंट हंड्रेड नो बिकॉज डी कॉलोनियलिटी टेक्स अ सीरियस पोजिशन अगेंस्ट कॉलोनियलिटी कॉल्स आउट इट्स ऑरिजन एंड क्लियरली से तुम अपना टेम्पलेट हम पे थोपना बंद करो ओके Now, which is exactly why this, the entrenchment of post-colonial school in India's history departments, academic departments, education departments, policy departments, is ko todana zaruri hai. But jab ye baat nikal ke aati hai, logon ko ye lagta hai ye decoloniality ke naam pe moral relativism ko justify kar raha hai, taaki fir se untouchability ko justify kar de, Brahmanvad ko justify kar de, Sati ko justify kar de, Dowry ko justify kar de. कल्चरल एजेंसी के नाम आई मीन कल्चरल एजेंसी नाम की कुछ चीज होती है पहले वो समझो बात को एंड हम ये नहीं कह रहे हैं कि यूनिवर्सलिज्म हो नहीं सकता है लेकिन यूनिवर्सलिज्म कोई एक आदमी या कोई एक समुदाय बैठ के पूरी दुनिया के लिए डिसाइड नहीं कर सकती है यूरोप डिसाइड नहीं करेगी कि हमारे लिए वैश्विक मापदंड क्या होंगे या पूरे विश्व के लिए क्या होगा क्या होगा ये हम सब बैठ के डिसाइड करेंगे हमारा तो एटलीस्ट एक वॉइस तो होना चाहिए इस इशू में ना आपका कोई से है आपका ना कोई वीटो है ना वोट है ओके सो देर फोर जो बात आपने कही है सर उसको मैंने बुक में टू द बेस्ट ऑफ माई एबिलिटी डील कर रखा है साइटिंग एक्सपर्ट लिटरेचर नॉट बिकॉज दिस इज माई ओरिजिनल थॉट 
लैटिन अमेरिकन स्कॉलर्स ये बात कह चुके हैं डॉक्टर बालगंगाधरा ये बात कह चुके हैं जेकब डी रूवर ये कह चुके हैं उनके जितने भी यूनिवर्सिटी ऑफ गेंट के जितने भी स्टूडेंट्स हैं वो ये ऑलरेडी कह चुके हैं दैट पोस्ट कलोनियलिज्म इज एन एक्टिव एंड परहैप्स अ पेड एम्बेसडर ऑफ कलोनियलिटी सो वो बात है ओके दैट्स देयर नाउ आपका दूसरा सवाल क्या था सर मेरा ये यही क्वेश्चन था एक तो वो कि आपने थोड़ा उसका आंसर कर दिया कि इट इज रिप्रेसिंग द वॉइसेस ऑफ द सबोल्टन और जो भारत के अंदर के सोसाइटी के अंदर आप एक सबॉल्टन का एक फॉल्ट लाइन क्रिएट करते हैं और ये सबॉल्टन आपके हिसाब से कौन होते हैं सवर्ण आपके लिए सबॉल्टन नहीं होते अवर्ण आपके लिए सबॉल्टन होते हैं दलित पिछड़े लोग and you call all these people uh, let's say uh, subalterns aur jo division colonizer ne yahan pe create kiya tha ab subalternism ke naam pe usko aur yahan pe aage kar rahe hain aur usko aur deep kiye ja rahe hain that's exactly why i have said this on twitter bhi maine kaha hai is book mein bhi kaha hai subalternism is the toxic product of post colonialism okay it comes from the same poisonous school of post colonialism aur tribal studies mein इस पोस्ट कॉलोनियलिज्म का कितना दुष्प्रभाव हुआ है आई सेड दैट विच इज टू से ट्राइबल नाम की एक कैटेगरी को वेस्टर्नर ने यहां पे इजाद किया था और आप उसी को यूज करके आदिवासी मूल निवासी ये या बोले जा रहे हैं तो आपने अगर इनको मूल निवासी और आदिवासी कह दिया तो आपके हिसाब से बाकी के लोग क्या कॉलोनाइजर्स है तो आप बाकी हिंदुओं को आप कह रहे हैं कि आप कॉलोनाइजर्स है तो यूरोपियन लेगेसी की जो विरासत है आप हिंदुओं पर थोपके जा रहे हैं यहां पर You are effectively treating the rest of the Hindus of this country as the colonial, uh, let's say, descendants who have inherited the colonization or the colonizing legacy of the European. That's something that I've said specifically, citing international conventions also. That how terrible our position has been with respect to tribes. That we constantly recognize this category without going back to our own indigenous treatment of the tribal communities. Just की वजह से अगर आप जाके उनसे बात करते हैं आप आपको बोला जाता है कि आप सैफनाइज कर रहे हैं लेकिन जब आप क्रिश्चियन मिशनरीज को वहां पे खुला छोड़ देते हैं तो आपसे कह रहे हैं कि आप सेक्युलरिज्म का पालन कर रहे हैं आप लिबरलिज्म का पालन कर रहे हैं ये कैसा मापदंड है भाई i have addressed specifically in section 1 of the book where i have addressed the problems with post coloniality i have addressed why decoloniality is better i have also said that on page number 103 again i repeat kyunki kuch buddhi ji bhi aise baithe hain jinko samajh mein nahi aata ki ek book ko kaise padha jata hai teen baar padhte hain uske baad bhi unko unke dimag mein ghusta nahi hai to main bol deta hu that universal standards ke khilaf hum nahi hain lekin universal standards koi ek community baith ke decide nahi karegi baaki logon ke liye aur hame bhi we need an option and we need a voice and agar humse koi kehta hai that maan lo unke universal standards ko aur apne culture ko uske hisab se badalne ki koshish karo to aapne mere point ko prove kar diya that you are a colonialized person and you are a mental slave you have just proved my point okay so therefore aap apne history ko unke hisab se badalne ki koshish mat kijiye aapke history mein good bhi hai bad bhi hai ugly bhi hai kisi se bhagne ki koi zarurat nahi hai टू दी एक्सटेंट मैंने ये भी बोल रखा है दी कलोनिटी डज नॉट मीन आप बैठ के पूरे पास्ट को ग्लोरीफाई करते बैठिए 
पास को समझने की चेष्टा होती है डी कलोनियालिटी दैट यू पुट एन एफर्ट टू अंडरस्टैंड द पास्ट नॉट टू ग्लोरीफाई द पास्ट नॉट टू ग्लोरीफाई एवरीथिंग एंड डी कलोनियालिटी डज नॉट मीन अतीत के सारे सोशल स्ट्रक्चर्स को आपके प्रेजेंट में और आपके फ्यूचर में उसको इंपोज करना ये बात नहीं कह रहा हूं मैं लेकिन अतीत के सिद्धांतों को आप समझिए और उसको उस पर अमल करने की कोशिश कीजिए और अपनी पॉलिसी में उसको इंप्लीमेंट करने की कोशिश कीजिए ये होता है डी कलोनियालिटी डी कलोनियालिटी का मतलब ये नहीं है कि आप वर्ण आश्रम और जाति प्रथा को ऐसे फिर से लेके आएंगे कि ब्राह्मण ऊपर बैठेगा यही लोग कहे जा रहे हैं मतलब क्या पढ़ते हैं मेरे को समझ में नहीं आता आई डोंट नो हाउ दीज पीपल इवन कॉल दम रीडर्स ऑफ अ बुक सेकेंड डी कलोनियलिटी यह भी नहीं कहता है वेस्ट को पूरी तरह से नकारो यू नो वाई वेस्ट का जितना भी ज्ञान है उसमें एटलीस्ट तीस प्रतिशत ऐसा ज्ञान होगा जो उसने बाकियों से चुराया होगा तो आप उसको नकारने के चक्कर में आप अपने ही लेट से नॉलेज को नकारेंगे एक टाइम पे वाई इफ द थीफ रिटर्न स्टोलन गुड्स एंड यू रेफ्यूज टू टेक इट थिंकिंग दट दिस इज द थीफ गुड्स अरे भाई ये चुराया धन को वापस कर रहा है तो ये पहचानना जरूरी है दैट इज एक्सैक्टली वाई डी कलोनियालिटी इज इंपॉर्टेंट ओके सो देर फोर इट्स अमेजिंग दट द लास्ट थ्री क्वेश्चन अपॉन सच इंपॉर्टेंट एस्पेक्ट ऑफ माई बुक लोगों को लग सकता है कि ये पूरा सेट किया गया है और रिग्ड किया गया है आई वुड रिक्वेस्ट श्रुति टू कन्फर्म आप अपने श्रोताओं को और लिसनर्स को बता दीजिए कि ये फिक्सड मैच नहीं है <laughs> आप उनको बता दीजिए प्लीज यस सर इज एग्जैक्टली करेक्ट हेयर ये फिक्स नहीं है ये बहुत स्पॉन्टेनियस हो रहा है माय क्वेश्चन इज वेरी सिंपल एक्चुअली सो आई वाज फॉलोइंग अ कपल ऑफ टॉक्स दैट यू डिड विद रिगार्ड टू दिस बुक एंड द वन थिंग दैट सरप्राइज मी आई एम नॉट श्योर इफ इट सरप्राइज यू वाज द फर्स्ट क्वेश्चन दैट यू वर आस्क्ड व्हिच इज इंडिया दैट इज भारत एंड देन इट सरप्राइज मी बिकॉज़ व्हाई आर वी ट्रिपिंग एंड वी नो दैट द वर्ड दैट वाज ट्रिपिंग देयर वाज नॉट इंडिया बट भारत इज इट इग्नोरेंस is it uh, confusion is it complete aloofness and i'm talking about right and left both why are people tripped by this word it's it's accepted everywhere in our pujas uh, in fact moreover in our family people nobody calls it india people call it bharat so yeah, was yeah. it surprising <laughs> for you also or uh, and is that the reason why you named the book so thank you so these questions are typically a product of everything that you've just said aloofness ignorance uh confusion what not everything under the sun so one of the conscious decisions for including this in the book or the title of the book was to say bharat hai is desh ka naam pehle ye jaan lo please bring this back into the discourse and the constitutional patriots hote hain unko main bata raha hu constitution bhi yahi kehta hai aur iske piche ek wajah hai kyunki is desh ki atma bharatiya hai india nahi hai so that is something that i'm trying to say through this book and the readers of the book will vouch for the fact that almost a 90% of the book i've used bharat 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 not india and the reference to india has been very strategic in the book where i'm referring to the colonizers view of us but whenever i speak of us i only refer to us as bharat so that's a conscious decision two i am not at all surprised that people find this interesting because it is a testament to the very problem that the book points to which is coloniality and colonial consciousness it proves that abundantly the only good part of these reactions is that people do not have a problem with the use of bharat but the fact that they are surprised by the use of bharat points to the problem 
I hope I've answered your question. Next. So starting May, when you were actually presenting your argument, you said that we have um, equally great science and technologies at the time of Bharat Varsh before colonialism. Um, so I would just like you to give some examples to compare the parallel developments, you know, in science and technology that was happening in the West and that happened in India. You can compare it, let's say, with Newtonian physics or Einstein physics or um, Gaussian mathematics or and the invention of Nikola Tesla or something of that sort, you know. So I just wanted that to give example, you some example. I think, should be given by uh, Subhash Kak or by, let's say, Chandrahas Hale, especially in the realm of mathematics. Or you should be talking to Professor C.K. Raju, who has written extensively on this. These are the people who you should be asking these questions. And assuming that this was a bait, so let me respond to the bait in a very clear way. In the book, I have said one thing at the outset, which is that I will present literature which points to the existence of colonial consciousness and how the colonial consciousness has ultimately affected in each realm and what must be the way forward with respect to each realm shall be a discussion undertaken by subject matter experts in each realm insofar as my subject is concerned which happens to be the constitution currently i will address both coloniality and decoloniality as far as my realm is concerned is the very specific laser sharp position that i have taken in the book now i'll answer your question in a slightly different way which is if the literature points to the fact that the first intellectual property thief of the so-called modern world, which is the European colonizer, has been stealing stuff from every jurisdiction, one after the other. I have no reason to operate under the presumption that he is no more a thief when he enters the shores of this country. I will continue to operate under the presumption that he was equally a thief when he entered my land. I have no reason to extend him the benefit of the doubt, which is to say that there is something called as human psychology and consistency in behavior. Someone who has behaved in a certain manner in three other continents or four other continents, I'm, I'm entitled to make the legitimate conclusion and arrive at the legitimate conclusion. Okay, so that's exactly what he's done. And since he has done that in the realm of spirituality, since he has done that in the realm of laws, since he has done that in the realm of political economic structures, I have no reason to assume that he wouldn't have done that with respect to science. Okay. Second, I will also go to the extent of saying that on this particular aspect, Sri Dharampal has done enough work to speak about the nature of education as well as the scientific systems in this country. And in fact, Mr. Subhashka keeps writing on the subject over and over again. That is one person I would certainly ask you to talk, uh, let's say, uh, look at his literature where he speaks of Indic knowledge systems and its acculturation by the West or digestion by the West, to use the phrase of another, uh, let's say, uh, Pandit of coloniality. So all I can say is there is expert literature on this, and I do not want to hold forth as an expert on everything under the sun, from gynecology to ethics. I don't wish to do that. I will limit myself to the law. On this particular issue, I have limited myself in the book to the identification of the problem and suggesting a normative conceptual framework based solution which is capable of being applied in different areas that's the answer to your question so direct this question to someone who's better qualified to speak on indic knowledge systems prior to the entry of the western colonizer and the specific acts of the indic uh, let's say of the uh, of the white colonizer in acculturating digesting and stealing indic knowledge systems this is a question that you must pose to subject matter experts next pranam bhaiya 
uh, actually i have purchased i have purchased your book but didn't had time to read because of board exam i will read after that so my question is uh, so i want to ask you something unrelated to your book Jee, maybe so my question is maximum uh, hmm. i think more than 60% of youth and children's have idols and hero like kadiminati and seductive new modern girls okay in, like in star snapchat hmm. they are posting nudity ji ji पूरा जनरेशन ऐसे ही बर्बाद हो गया हमारा तो फिर ये इंडियन मुझे लगता है की आपको एक चिट्ठी लिखना चाहिए एक ओपन लेटर या एक चिट्ठी लिख देना चाहिए Ministry of uh, Human Resource uh, Development, uh, Ministry of uh, Culture and uh, Pradhan Mantri Ji, because I think that you should listen to their voice, because this is a very important question you have asked. So, look, as many efforts are being put forth, when this multiplier effect is not created by the government or by the government, until the impact is not as much as it should be. But I will tell you another thing that I have seen. अभी इस बुक टॉर के दौरान मैंने देखा है ये मैं आसानी से कह सकता हूं कि नहीं नहीं मेरा बुक इतना बड़ा हिट हो गया कि सब लोग मेरी बुक को पढ़ रहे हैं ये बात मैं नहीं कहना चाहता क्योंकि मैं इस बात से कॉन्फिडेंस मुझे मिलता है कि 15 से लेके 25 या 26 और लेट्स से 15 टू 30 उस 15 साल के बैंड विथ में उस बैंड में ऐसे इतने लोग आए हैं जो आ, इस इस लिटरेचर के बारे में बात करते हैं जिसको मैं चाहता हूं कि वो पढ़ें जैसे विक्रम संपत हो या फिर डॉक्टर मीनाक्षी जैन हो इनफैक्ट एक 18 साल के लड़के ने मुझे ईमेल लिखा है डॉक्टर बाल गंगाधरा के काम के बारे में जिसके बारे में मैंने सिर्फ तीन साल पहले पढ़ा था एंड आई एम थर्टी फाइव ईयर्स ओल्ड ओके सो दैट गिवस मी द कॉन्फिडेंस दैट निराशा के लिए जहां पे एक एक स्कोप है आशा के लिए भी उतना ही स्कोप है एटलीस्ट थोड़ा बहुत तो है The thing is, निराशा इस बात से आती है आई डोंट नो इफ दैट इज आती है और आता है लीव इट फॉर द हिंदी स्पीकर टू एक्चुअली कन्फर्म दैट बट स्टेट का सपोर्ट अगर इसमें होता है जैसे ऐसे बहुत सारे स्कॉलर्स हैं जिनको मुझे लगता है एक मेन स्ट्रीम पोजिशन देना चाहिए ओके जिनके काम को लोगों के सामने रखना चाहिए ताकि दे कैन क्रिएट मोर पीपल बिकॉज यू सी वी आर इन द प्रोसेस ऑफ लूजिंग सेवरल स्टॉलवर्ड्स वी हैव टू मेक श्योर दट उनके काम को कोई आगे ले जा सके वरना जितना भी उन्होंने सीखा है एक बात है उनके नॉलेज को आगे लेके जाना लेकिन जितना भी उन्होंने सीखा है बाई वे ऑफ प्रोसेस बाई वे ऑफ ट्रेनिंग दैट ऑल्सो नीड्स टू गो फॉरवर्ड दैट इज दी वे टू कीप दिस पर्टिकुलर रेजिस्टेंस अलाइफ सो I, it's a genuine request. मैं आपसे रेटोरिकल रिक्वेस्ट नहीं कर रहा हूं मैं यहाँ पे मजाक नहीं उड़ा रहा हूं मैं ये कह रहा हूं कि आपको एक लेटर लिखना चाहिए और वो भी हिंदी में ये बताते हुए कि आपके जनरेशन क्या किस चीज से गुजर रही है कि सोशल मीडिया का क्या इम्पैक्ट पड़ रहा है आपके एप्स का क्या इम्पैक्ट पड़ रहा है पबजी का क्या इम्पैक्ट पड़ा है टिकटॉक का क्या इम्पैक्ट पड़ा है लेट से ओपन एक्सेस टू सर्टन मटीरियल का क्या इम्पैक्ट पड़ा है ये आपको बताना चाहिए बिकॉज this would be the voice of your generation speaking to the establishment saying aap please iske bare mein kuch kahiye agar parents kehte hain to kuch aur hota hai lekin jab bacche khud kehte hain to uska impact alag hota 
आप प्लीज ये कीजिए इट इज माई हम्बल रिक्वेस्ट एंड पेटिशन ओपन लेटर लेकिन आपकी तरफ से एक चिट्ठी तो जानी चाहिए इट्स वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट बिकॉज आई वॉन्ट एटलीस्ट लेट्स दी एस्टेब्लिशमेंट टू नो दैट चिल्ड्रन देमसेल्स आर कंसर्न अबाउट द सोसाइटी दैट दे विल ग्रो अप इन If their peers are constantly stuck in this defeatism, in the self-loathing attitude, coupled with exposure to obscene material, that is a deadly combination. That's a terrible combination. We are hoping to create a society which is safe for all genders, especially for women. But if this is the kind of material that they are going to be exposed to, I am really not sure we are actually heading in a direction which is safe for women. That's all I can say. अगर ये patriarchy है, तो मैं yes, I am. I can be accused of patriarchy. मैं मान लेता हूँ अपने दोष को. two questions uh, what can we do uh, what else can i do and what can we do i have sent the missed calls when i was asked to i um, signed petitions when i was asked to and i sent money to indic collective to get the temples free from the state con- from state control okay. how do we what do we do to ensure that the supreme court takes up this petition on freeing indian uh, hindu temples the second question is how will how will decoloniality impact women um because how will they continue to be in that decolonial world that we want to create will they be full participants at every level of political process uh, from the local level to the highest national level grateful ma'am can you. i ask you, you to much. not uh, please don't shut out your media uh, your video i'd like to engage with you on this okay sure, so please sure. don't okay i think it's yeah. an impo- extremely important question that you've asked okay right. so let me take the second question first and then i'll right. come to the first question right thank you yes so ma'am as far as the second question is concerned uh, i don't want to suffer from a savior complex as a man okay therefore my suggestion would be that you interact with perhaps uh, ms neha shrivastava who runs a foundation called shaktitva okay and quite a few uh, let's say hindu female scholars who are working in the realm of what is it what does it mean to be a hindu woman in in terms of both uh, a feminist perspective as well as what does it mean uh, if a hindu society were to be created on ideal lines or idealistic lines would women have the rights that they enjoy today is a question that they are working on so ideally this is a question that must be answered by women who believe that a dharmic system is not antithetical to women's rights that's one okay so i'm sure that your own gender is capable of asking and answering this, this question that's the first response okay. okay second i will limit my answer to only one thing that to assume that decoloniality would translate to the parda system being brought back or let's say uh, the right to education being denied or women being forced to uh, let's say take up only uh, domestic roles is perhaps uh, significantly contributed to by coloniality itself okay and maybe uh, some of these practices are a product of the multiple waves of brutality savagery and colonization okay for instance let it be child marriage or for that matter uh, the parda system were primarily done when you are facing a savage horde which believes and celeb- which believes in and celebrates necrophilia okay so therefore some of these practices are to be attributed to that be that as it may it is not my case i repeat it is not my case that every practice which does not have any contemporary purchase should be brought back in the name of decoloniality that is not my position ma'am okay and i do believe 
that as a society we certainly have a red line and inbuilt lakshman rekha where we know what can be brought back and what cannot be brought back okay i will put my faith in the hindu conscience that it knows where to draw a lakshman rekha and in any case i am more than happy to seat space on the subject not seat space i will simply say i don't want to be the one to discuss the subject when there are better qualified women to actually take up this particular subject so why don't women actually have a discussion on this and ask themselves whether decoloniality will result in truncation of space for women or will it actually lead to elimination of the belief that this culture is fundamentally patriarchal okay that is an issue that i'm certainly interested in this constant allegation that the hindu society is patriarchal and its culture and its entire world view is rooted in misogyny is an issue that i certainly have a problem with okay because i have only seen strong women around me so i don't know where the sense of misogyny and patriarchy comes from so i would certainly want this question to be addressed in a scholarly fashion now well okay. yes ma'am please go on no i i do not i do not believe that um, hindu culture itself because had that been my understanding of hindu traditions and the dharmic tradition i would not have you know had a minute to say that i want to chuck everything i do not right. believe that at all i think it's a very strong civilizationally a very strong position on women and women shakti and i am completely a votary of that and that is why i am here even in this session uh, my concern is uh, if if we are if we talk about uh, education and if I even we go back to the time even pre middle eastern consciousness uh if we go to that point uh, i my i feel that um, uh, the kind of literature that is taught to us uh is the shastric traditions dharma shastric traditions the smritis uh the idea is that the primacy is given to the man and uh, the women do not have for instance you know uh, the the full ritual uh, rights that men have uh and the karam kand is completely in the hands of men if we take the brahmanical tradition okay so yeah. that is my concern that it should not be that you yeah 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 sure yeah so let me respond to that so there are two streams of responses to that okay the first response is on the secular front or the non religious front and the second response is on the religious front okay now uh in the book i have clearly said that who we were as a people is better understood prior to the entry of the islamic invader and the christian colonizer okay however it is not my position to say that we must recreate that society in the current time please understand that right so i have said that right so the distinction i am sure is clear right okay great thank you now now that distinction is clear let us look at certain facts is it our case that even uh, until the time that the uh, until let's say 1947 or even before 1600s or 1700s when the british man came just to that say women... that i have read the book just to say thank that you, i have read the book thank you ma'am thank you ma'am thank you so i don't believe that the history of this country shows that prior to the entry of the christian colonizer women did not have any let's say integral roles or let's say Uh, commanding roles or leadership roles that they played when in fact there are examples to the contrary okay however i will caveat this position with the very clear rider that whether these were exceptions or the norm i am not sure of okay and therefore on this particular subject i will genuinely with humility leave it to scholars to decide this because i am not trained in the subject okay so which is why 
I reiterate the answer to the previous question that this is, a, uh, let's say, an inquiry for subject matter scholars to take up. Okay. Now, second, coming to the religious aspect, which is perhaps the trickier part. Okay. If you were to ask me, I am someone who would typically seed my space on that particular issue to the Shastras when it comes to religious institutions. And I understand that perhaps this may be a point of disagreement between your position and my position. There's a decent chance on that. Okay. But uh, maybe I believe in continuity of certain core aspects. Okay. And I am unapologetic about it. Now, whether this is exactly what the society needs to follow at a large scale, I will leave that to the larger society and its conscience to discuss. However, I will not allow the state to play a role in this because the state is mischievous. Okay. I will not allow the judiciary to play a role in this because the judiciary cannot be trusted with such a sensitive issue. It does not have the expertise for this. Okay. So acknowledging that you and I perhaps disagree on the central principle of your question, the one thing that both of us can perhaps agree on is that there is no role for the state in this. And I would want this to be discussed only by the society. Right. At the very least, for the state to uh, earn its right uh, in this particular discussion, it must shed its Hindu-phobic attitude before it talks to us. Okay. Right. And two, it must stop treating us and looking at us through the Western lens before it enters this discussion. True. It must stop looking at the Hindu society as a drug addict who needs reform and intervention from the state. Okay. Once the state proves its credentials on the, on these aspects, then I'm happy to give the, the state a seat at the table. Until then, I don't want it entering this particular structure at all. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, your other question on temple freedom, which was your first question. Okay. Yeah. One, uh, this is an important clarification that I have to give. I am not answerable on behalf of Indy Collective simply because I'm not a trustee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I happen to be only a legal mentor on certain cases. Now, yeah, yeah. The uh, I, no, no, I just caveat is important because quite a few people assume that I'm a trustee, so I'm just clarifying that, or rather, I'm using your question to make the clarification. Okay, now coming to temple freedom, uh, I believe that this issue, thanks to the efforts of all these people who have been working for decades now, has gradually gained traction. That finally, we are talking about it at such length. Uh, I don't think this is the scale of the discussion on temple freedom four years ago, at least, national media was not discussing it. Okay. Until 2016, 17, you did not find these uh, issues getting any kind of traction from national media. Now, Times now wants to talk about it. CNN News 18 wants to talk about it. Republic wants to talk about it. Everybody seems to want to talk about it. Clearly, something's afoot, according to me, when these channels decide to talk about it. Okay. Whether this results in an ideal outcome is, is for time to decide. I will wait and watch because I will not celebrate prematurely, knowing how this society and this country functions. Okay. But... We are certainly moving, perhaps in a positive direction, is the hope. Now, as far as the Supreme Court is concerned, I believe that in the coming uh, days, and without, uh, let's say, making any bombastic statements, perhaps there will be greater activity on this front. Uh, I will not be in a position to reveal anything beyond that. I will leave this at this. Okay? Thank you, ma'am. I hope I've uh, managed to answer your questions. Thank you. Thank you. Sir, my question is uh, yesterday CGI and and Vira Manna said that we need to deny deny our law uh, constitution. So, what are your views? How we can deny our our constitution? What are the reforms we need? So, a correction, yeah, sir. That he didn't say about the constitution. He simply said about the legal system. 
अगर वो कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन के बारे में बोलते तो ये और भी बड़ा धमाका होता ओके तो सो ये करेक्शन बहुत ही इंपॉर्टेंट है क्योंकि जज भी पहले वकील होते हैं तो उनके मुंह से जब निकला है तो आप उसको थोड़ा सेफली और करेक्टली इंटरप्रेट कीजिए दूसरा एज आई सेड आपके पहले भी दो तीन लोगों ने ये सवाल किया था और मैंने जवाब में ये कहा था मैं अभी uh, एक प्रिस्क्रिप्शन मोड में नहीं हूं मेरे पास अभी एक सीधा सुझाव नहीं है uh, वो दूसरे किताब दूसरी पुस्तक में आएगा तो उसका आप थोड़ा उसकी प्रतीक्षा कीजिए जब वो आएगा आपके सवाल का जवाब में या फिर उस आपके प्रश्न का उत्तर में बेहतर दे पाऊंगा ठीक है तो प्लीज आपके लिए मुझे क्षमा कर दीजिए क्योंकि मेरे पास अभी उसका कोई उत्तर नहीं है अभी उस पर काम चल रहा है जब ये खत्म होगा या फिर जब ये अंत होगा तब मैं इसकी बात करूंगा या चर्चा करूंगा 